This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed. My name is Lynette and today I'm joined by my husband, Dennis. And here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. We also have some free uh, giveaways. Uh, The book is called Steps to Christ. And also signs. Now, if you check out the local takeaways here in Palmerston North, you will probably find a stack of books called Signs Magazine, and they have um, articles on health and family and issues we face every day in life, and they are free. And also, as, as I said, we'd love to hear from you, so you can contact us if you want us to pray for you or a friend or family member or contact us to give us um, some feedback or um, ideas, what you'd like um, to hear us um, talk about. So you can contact us by email on info at mpr.nz, info at mpr.nz. Dot NZ, which stands for Manawatu People's Radio, and um, or you can text on O double two six eight one five two one six. And just going to share a um, short devotion with you now. And um, yeah, we'll start with a Bible verse which is found, um, actually I don't have the reference, you might need to look it up um, in a concordance. No one is holy like the Lord, there is no one besides you, there is no rock like our God. And actually I do have the reference, it's First Samuel 2, 2. No one is holy like the Lord, there is no one besides you, there is no rock like our God. And it's a um, there was a story that I've just recently um, heard of, and it um, starts with the flight had been uneventful in the moment the captain until the moment the captain announced from the flight deck that the plane would have to cross a major storm. Please tighten your seatbelts. We will be in for quite a ride. The voice from the cockpit said. In in ending the announcement. Soon after, the plane began to shake violently as it fought its way through the storm. Overhead bins 
opened, luggage compartments opened above, people sat tense in their seats. After a particularly violent shudder of the plane, someone shrieked in the back of the plane. Images of a wing breaking off and the plane careering to the earth flashed through a few minds. All passengers looked tense and fearful, all except a little girl seated in the front row of economy. She was busy drawing a picture on the open tray table before her. Now and again she'd look out the small window at a particularly impressive lightning strike, but then she would calmly resume her drawing. After what seemed half an eternity, the plane finally landed at its destination. Passengers cheered and clapped, so grateful and relieved to be back on the ground. The little girl had packed her bag and was waiting for people to leave the plane when one of the travellers asked her if she hadn't been afraid. How could she be that calm during such a major storm and with the plane shaking so much? I wasn't scared, the little girl said to the surprised man. My dad is the pilot and he and I know he's taking me home. So, and so after all, our Heavenly Father is in control and is ready to bring us home safely. So we have nothing to fear. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that our lives are in your hands and that you care more than we can imagine or think how much you care and love each of us. And we just pray that we will um, keep trusting you like this little girl trusted her father, the pilot. And we know you will bring us home safely. In your name, amen. Now we're going to have a song and it's called Amazing Grace.
amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And um, for our health tip today, going to be sharing, um, continuing with some thoughts from the book by Dr. Darren Morton, Live More Happy. And um, we've been um, reading about the limbo, which is the emotional part of our brain, which he calls the limbo, um, just to make it simpler for us to to grab. It's it's the area of our brain that is is in control of the emotions um, in us. And when we understand um, this part of our brain we can actually um, help ourselves on the pathway to live more happy. So the power of words on our emotional brain is well documented. In fact, now this is a tricky word, bibliotherapy, literally meaning book therapy, and engaging with inspiring writings has been shown in many studies, to be highly effective for giving people an emotional lift. But we don't need to read an entire book. Even just a few words can affect us. Researchers from Queen's University conducted a study in which participants were asked to unscramble unscramble sentences of five words. They found that when the sentences included religious words such as divine, they displayed more self-control in the form of being more able to endure discomfort and delay gratification in exercises performed shortly after. Isn't that interesting? In another study, subjects were asked to unscramble seemingly random words. Some subjects were given truly random words while other groups were given words like Florida, Bingo and Grey, words associated with the elderly. Well, the subjects in the study didn't make that connection as they left the study venue. The researchers observed that they moved slower than those participants who didn't unscramble elderly words. These studies highlight the pervasive influence language and speech can have on our limbo. The challenges at the end of this chapter will help us to speak more positively, but before we get to them, it is important to know that our limbo listens not only to what we say to ourselves, but to others as well. Speak positively to others. I often muse over comeback statements. You know how it works. Someone says something degrading or demeaning to you, so you aim to level the score by firing a get-even comment back at them. We respond in this way because it feels so good, doesn't it? Or does it? Delivering a devastating comeback might be sweet in our mouth, but it often turns bitter in our belly. Few times in my life... Have I been sharp enough to make a really good comeback? Dr. Darren Morton says, Usually it takes me about 24 hours to come up with something truly witty, and the moment has passed. But on the odd occasion I have pulled it off, I can't report any long-lasting emotional boost. 
if we're honest with ourselves. Negative speech, whether directed to ourselves or to other, someone else, drags us down emotionally. It does so because our limbo listens in on the lot. One of the world's leading authorities on marriage is Professor John Gottman. He and his colleagues had conducted many fascinating studies and published prolifically. In one study, he could predict with nearly 90% accuracy whether a newlywed couple would divorce within five years, simply by listening to how they spoke to and about each other in interviews. His research suggested that in order for a relationship to flourish, there needs to be at least five positive things said for every one negative. The idea of a positivity ratio is intriguing, and John Gottman is not the only one who has stumbled upon it. Studies um, studies of the effectiveness of business teams has been studied by people and discovered that the highest performing teams had the highest ratio of positive to negative interactions. The best performing teams had 5.6 positive statements for every negative one. While there is some debate about the exact ratio, it seems that five or more positive speech acts are required for every negative in order for individuals, marriages, families and even businesses to flourish. If the ratio falls below three to one, there is often impending trouble. Speaking positively to others benefits both them and us. Our limbo gets to hear the words on the way out and their limbo gets to hear them on the way in. So now we have learned the value of speaking positively and the reason why it works. It is time to experience it. Here are our two challenges. Remembering that the more we put in, the more we will get out. Putting it into action, and this is the challenge. Ingrain inspiration. We are losing a treasure from the past. We have access to information at our fingertips. We can carry around the information of hundreds of books on a device that fits into our pocket. But... This is not the same as having it in our head. Before the advent of such technologies, people had limited access to information, so had to memorise texts and sayings. There was and is tremendous value in doing this. Our first challenge is to ingrain inspiration, to commit to memory inspirational texts or sayings. It might be anything that is relevant to you. There are thousands of uplifting things to memorise. Just search inspirational quotes online if you need somewhere to begin. Write the chosen saying down on a piece of paper and type it into into your phone. Practice reciting it until you know it by heart. Every time you do, your limbo is listening. Let it become your response to negative self-talk. When you catch yourself engaging in negative self-talk, 
pinch yourself and recite the inspirational text you have memorised. I try to make a habit, Dr Morton says, of memorising inspirational texts and sayings and I have lost count of how many times I have had one pop into my head at a time I needed it. It is like it is like we create a memory bank of wisdom for our two-year-old limbo to draw from, and it does. It does. So that's the first challenge, ingrain inspiration. The second is be complimentary. Mark Twain once wrote, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Following that logic, he could only he could get by on only... Six compliments a year. But most of us need them more frequently. Your challenge, our challenge, is to be the dispenser of compliments. It is an excellent way to help you get your positivity ratio up. In one of the inspiring and quirky presentations by Kid President, and you might have seen that, it's a YouTube presentation, um, of a, a young boy and yes it's quite funny but um, full of wisdom um, called Kid, Kid President so one of one of them um, is called 20 things we should say more often he concludes with say something nice it is simple but amazingly powerful I often tell my children that if you want others to like you there is a greater or a lesser way to go about it. The lesser way is to make them feel good. The greater way is to make them feel good about themselves. Nothing works better at making someone feel good about themselves than offering a compliment. We often think good things about others, but we say them less often. Start doing it. It doesn't need to be face-to-face if that is too scary for you. Write an email, send a text, test and see if it makes a difference in the way it makes you feel. So the acronym for this little book is SMILERS, S-M-I-L-E-R-S. And so we have just looked at the first one, which stands for Speak Positively. And next week we'll go on to look at Motion Creates Emotion. Alrighty, so that's our snippet, our health tip for today. Thank you. Christmas morn and all the gifts and toys we knew we'd find but we never realized a baby born one blessed night gave us the greatest gift of our
life. And now Dennis is going to be sharing with us from the Bible, from the book of Revelation and talk about and talking about overcoming today. So it's great to be here with you um, today. <clears throat> We've um, been talking about this wonderful book in the Bible, Revelation, and it's so applicable to our time because um, you know, when we see in the world, we see a lot of trouble um, in different places, and the 
Bible says um, it's only going to get worse, but um, there is wonderful hope for those who put their faith in in Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> we've been talking about we've been talking about um, we we have these uh, little booklets which are a real um, a really um, good asset to have, and. Uh, <clears throat> They are called Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. Because the book of Revelation it is, it's a wonderful book. It's full of Jesus um, and it's full of hope even in a world which is falling apart. So if you put into um, Google Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose, you'll be able to purchase them there. And uh, there's 12 booklets going through generally two chapters at a time. Or you can get um, the set, which is 24, going through um, each chapter in one booklet. So it's really worth um, having a look at because the message in Revelation will affect us all. Now, last time we um, shared, we were talking from uh, Revelation 2 and uh, Pergamos. Now, we didn't get all the way through um, Pergamos, but um, I, I just sort of go over a wee bit what I was talking about, and um, I'm reading from verse 12, and it says, These things say, um, He who has the sharp two edged sword, and he says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. You and you hold fast to my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas uh, was my faithful martyr who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. And then it goes on talks about um, a few things, a few things against you because you hold to the doctrine of Balaam and Balak <coughs> and... Um, and he's put some stumbling blocks before the children of Israel to eat uh, things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now, we've we just got to have a little break um, and then we'll come back and um, I'll talk about what I'm going to talk about today. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the KiwiFruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Right, so we're um, back and we're looking at uh, Revelation 2 and the church of Smyrna. Smyrna. Now, what we want to talk about today, which I didn't get to um, last time I was um, here on the radio, is verse 15, 16 and 17. And this is what it says. Thus you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicotolaitans, which thing I hate, which thing I hate. So 
Nicodemus, I'll just talk briefly on that. And then it says, verse 16, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And then it says, He who has an ear, if you only got one ear, listen, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So, got three things we're going to basically talk about is um, the Nicotolaitans talking about repent and I'm being an overcomer. Now, <clears throat> the letters to the seven churches were intended to save um, Christians or, or Christ's flock from compromise, the synagogue of Satan, Balaam and Balak and Jezebel, and they're all symbols of Babylon, which um, when we get into chapter 13, 14, uh, we will be talking a lot more about Babylon. So uh, the Nicotolaitans, what did that mean? What did that mean? Now, that's a um, interesting phrase in the Bible. So <clears throat> it's mentioned a couple times in Revelation, but the thought is um, mentioned many times in the Bible. Now, I've just got a card, and I've just got to find the card now. Here, um, and this is what um, this doctrine means. The doctrine is now largely taught that the gospel of Christ has made the law of God in none effect, and that by believing we are released from the necessity of being doers of the word. Right, so <clears throat> when we believe, we were released from... Um, having to be obedient. But does that really make sense? Um, in Jude 4, the book of Jude, the book just before Revelation, um, in the New Living Bible, it says, they say that God forgives, no, they say that God's forgiveness allows us to live in moral lives. It doesn't make sense because Jesus died for our sins on the cross. And would he um, want us to continue in a course of sin which is like re-crucifying him? It's like stabbing his heart. It doesn't make sense. So God was against that um, that teaching. Now, the, the other thing was repentance. It says, verse 16, Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Right, so um, repentance comes up a lot in the Bible. I think in the New Testament, 77 times. Only two churches, it doesn't. So out of the seven churches, there's only two that it doesn't come up. So it must be important. How would you explain what repentance is? Now, I'm just getting some different quotes. Um for instance, uh, from a Bible study I got, it says three aspects to repentance. 
First one is acknowledgement of one's sin, so acknowledging their sin. The second is sorrow for having sinned. And then the third one is the desire not to sin anymore. If if one is lacking, there is no true repentance. So you need those three things, acknowledgement of the sin, sorrow for having sinned, and the desire not to sin anymore. Now, there's a key verse in the Bible on this. It's a really good verse. I love this verse. It's full of hope. It says, Him is God exalted at his right hand to give repentance and forgiveness of sin. Right? So there's two things here. Repentance is the gift of God. So we can't produce it, can't produce repentance. All we can do is come to God. Now, that's in Acts uh, 5.31. So that's a key verse, repentance is the gift of God. Now, um, a quote um, from Charles Spurgeon. He did, a sermon on, he did a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. And I've got a book with 12 sermons on the Holy Spirit. And on page 135, this is what he said, the person visited by the Holy Spirit begins to feel the terror of God to the love of God. It makes him weep. He begins to fear. He begins to hope. He learns spiritually to sorrow. He is grieved that he has sinned. Now Spurgeon says that you, he says, I can't make you feel. I can't make you sorrow for sin. I can't make you desire eternal life. But all this is done when the Lord fulfills his promise. I will put my spirit within you. See, it's interesting in the Bible. The Bible is such a wonderful book. Um, It's not moralism, though the Bible does teach good morals. But it's not moralism. It's by grace, through faith, and not of works. Uh, lest any man should boast, the Bible says. So repentance is the gift of God. We cannot produce it. We cannot feel sorry for sin. But as the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he produces these things in us. So <clears throat> the main thing I want to talk about, and um, I pray that I have enough time, <laughs> is um, the overcoming. But I think we should have a song, um, Lynette. Lord, linger near when my 
Welcome back. Um, <clears throat> yes, we're sharing from the book of Revelation and we want to talk about the best part of all and it's talking about being an overcomer. So I'm going to read Revelation um, 2 verse 17 again. It says, He who has an ear, in the Gospels it's ears. So it's saying, If you've got one ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give him of the hidden manna um, to eat. And I will give him a white stone, 
and on that stone a new name, which no one knows except the one who receives him. So we've got we've got three things there. We've got hidden manna, white stone, and a new name. So <clears throat> it's interesting, in the seven churches, there's actually um, 21 promises to the overcomer. And in verse 21, I love this verse, and it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You know, like it says in the Bible, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So let's just talk a wee bit about these things, the hidden manna, um, the white stone, and the new name. Now, for instance, uh, William Barclay in his um, commentary says, To the Jews, the eating of the hidden manna meant to enjoy the blessings of the Messiah age. To the Christian, it meant entering into the blessedness of the new world, which would emerge when the kingdom comes. Now, the white stone, what did the white stone stand for? Um well, what's it mean? What's it stand for us? White stone doesn't mean much to you and me. But in the time of Rome, um, it would. It would. A white stone was used for it. Hang on, let me read this again. The white stone was meant for some kind of privilege upon a man. Example, if he wins a victory at the games, it was one of the greatest honours of the ancient world. The master of the games gives them a white stone, which gave them the right of free entrance to all the public spectacles. The picture here is an overcomer who will be a share in glory of his Lord. Now, I, I have a really, um, I come across some really interesting books. They are Puritan books. And um, the name of the person is Thomas Brooks. I've got four of them. And um, Lynette's just going to read a wee bit about this in a book called The Keys to Heaven, The Secret Keys to Heaven. Isn't that a good title? Thank you, Lynette. It is a good title. White stones were of very great use among the Romans and the Athenians and served to acquit the accused in courts of justice. When malefactors or criminals were accused, arraigned and condemned in their courts, they gave them a black stone in token of condemnation. But when they were acquitted, they gave them white stones in token of absolution. And to this practice the Holy Spirit seems to allude. He that is victorious over his lusts shall have a new name, better than the names of sons and daughters, Isaiah 56, 5, and he shall have the pardon of his sins written in fair letters upon the white stone, so that he may run and read his absolution. The victorious Christian shall have assurance 
of the full discharge of all his sins, he shall have a clear evidence of his justification and a blessed assurance of his or her eternal election. All which are hidden and mysterious things to all but those who have experienced and tasted what these sweet meats of heaven mean. First John one seven. Among the Romans, there was a there were solemn feasts held in honor of those that were victorious in their sacred games. Now, those that were to be admitted to the those feasts used to have their names written on white shells and white stones, and by these tickets they were admitted. Now, some think the Holy Spirit alludes to this practice and so would hint to us a personal mark by which victorious Christians may be known and admitted as bidden guests to the heavenly banquet of the hidden manor, according to Revelation 19.9. Now, isn't that interesting? That white stone would have meant a lot to to a person in the time of the Roman Empire. Mm. really would, wouldn't it? Mm, Um, So um, the colour white... Um, equals the picture of heaven. Picture of heaven. What other things are called white in the book of Revelation? So you have white garments, right? You have white robes, white linen, great white throne uh, of God Himself. So white is a symbol of purity or being in a right relationship with God. Um, it often talks about in the Bible. Um, Revelation, hold on to your clothes. So the new name, what else is called new in Revelation? Um, You have a new song, a new Jerusalem, a new heavens and a new earth. God is going to make all things new. Two words for new means at a point of time and new in the point of quality. And the promise is to the faithful faithful. So that's interesting, isn't it? Um, It's important uh, to have a vision for the future. Now, the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. Proverbs 28 verse, no, 29 verse 18 and Lamentations 2 verse 9. Now, I've got another interesting book. It's called The Worst Day of Your Life, and it's a really good book. What to do on the worst day of your life. The title doesn't sound that good, but I tell you, it's a very good book. And he says, we are designed in such a way that we move in the direction of what we see. Your vision is your future, and your vision is your imagination. You need an imagination inspired by the promises of God. You need to develop a vision of victory. Keep your mind on your vision. So that's really important, really important. Well, <clears throat> this is um, a really good message about being an overcomer and uh, we've talked about um, a new... <clears throat> we've talked about a new... <clears throat> I'm just going to have my notes here. I'll just go back a bit. We've talked about the hidden manor, the white stone, which is really important, and a new name. A new name in the Bible is um, often uh, portrayed and um, when a person is an overcomer, 
like uh, Jacob. Um, his name was changed to Israel. Now, in these um, booklets, in these booklets that um, we've been sharing with you, which you can get online, which is called um, Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose, um, it says here that the the Revelation used the Old Testament stories of the Israelites to illustrate what's happening to his followers, the followers of Jesus in New Testament times. So <clears throat> the, the great thing, there were many who overcame, many who overcome. Now, I've just got um, a few verses here, a few thoughts on overcoming, and I write all sorts of things down on cards, and I find it very helpful. I write it in the margin of my Bible when I'm doing Bible study. And um, see, for the time that we have, which we're running out of, John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in the world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And in Luke 19 I mean, 10, 19, he says, I've given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. That means nothing of eternal will harm us. And in Romans eight thirty one, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Jesus is the great overcomer. He conquered for us and he conquers in us and he makes us more than conquerors. Isn't that good? Let me say that again. Jesus is the great overcomer, right? He conquered for us, he conquers in us and he makes us more than conquerors. So there's many things that I could share on being an overcomer. I have some wonderful quotes here from Charles Spurgeon. Um you know, I, I love that verse. I love that verse where it says, uh, Revelation 12, verse 11, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Right. So there's just a few thoughts on overcoming and the new name and the white stone. And yeah, God bless you. Thank you, Dennis. So just before we go, just like to remind you of the free giveaways here in Palmerston North at the local takeaways, the book Science Magazine. And also, um, if you write to us, uh, we have copies of the book Steps to Christ. And you can contact us by email, and that is on info at mpr.nz. Or text us 0226815216 and we're happy um, to pray for you or a friend or family member on or off air as well. So let's just close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we are weak and we so often stumble and fall and yet you love us and you've gone to such great steps to show us that by sending your son into this world and giving his life and then rising again to give us hope and Lord that we can have hope and meaning and 
purpose for now and for the future. So I just pray that you'll be with the one who listens and um, be close and speak to them, we pray, and help them and help us. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. So from both of us here at Amazing Grace, Manawatu People's Radio, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you until next and forever, actually. Okay, God bless for now.